Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to Sari Ibrahim from Finasset Protection. Sari is a financial professional and a member of the Bank on Yourself organization. He specialized in insurance and in particular, whole life insurance. Sari will give us an introduction to whole life insurance, what it is, how it can benefit you, how it can leverage it with the cash value part, what the risks are, and the differences with term life insurance. I must admit, whole life insurance is a little foreign to me too, but Sari's explanations were most helpful and I hope you will be able to evaluate as well if whole life insurance is something for you or not. This episode is for you if, like me, you're curious about whole life insurance, what it is, etc., and wonder if it can be something for you to consider or not. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Sari. How are you doing today? Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you. And uh, where are you calling me from? From uh, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, great, great. And uh, yeah, Sari, I invited you. Uh, we are going to talk about a uh, not-so-often-talked-about subject on the podcast nor on, uh, on the blog. We're going to talk about uh, whole life insurance. And um, yeah, because you are a specialist in, uh, in insurance, you've been uh, working uh, several years in the industry. And as well, you're part of a special organization called uh, Bank on Yourself. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the organization? Yeah, definitely. So the Bank on Yourself organization uh, uses a special type of whole life insurance, mm -hmm. uh, mainly for the cash benefits, the cash value, rather than the death benefit. So for those of you who are not familiar with whole life insurance, um, it has two main functions. One is the cash value part, and the second is the death benefit. The Bank on Yourself concept or the Bank on Yourself organization mainly deals with the cash value part of the, of the whole life policy. And this, this part of the cash value has a lot more uh, benefits than other places you would store cash, like in conventional or traditional places like checking account, savings, money market, brokerage account. It actually has more benefits that I can definitely get into later on the podcast, mm -hmm. but that's kind of just like an overview of the concept and why it is uh, whole life insurance. Yeah. Okay. And maybe uh, let's start before we go into the specifics with um, what got you into the insurance industry, uh, Sorry. Yeah, definitely. So I was doing uh, my master's degree. I was about, uh, it was a two-year program and I was about halfway through it. And I wanted to work in the financial services sector. Mm -hmm. So I started working with Allstate Insurance in Chicago. And uh, that led me to like different, I, I transitioned from the uh, auto insurance, homeowners insurance, commercial insurance uh, field to the health insurance and Medicare world, where we dealt with like uh, health insurance plans for retirees, senior plans. And then from there, I was introduced to life insurance. And it caught my attention, not necessarily, you know, because life insurance doesn't sound that like fun, right? <laughs> <Not> that. <laughs> Especially when you say the debt benefit, or sorry, the death benefit, it sounds a bit weird, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's not something, you know, college students jump on, you know, the opportunity <laughs> to do. 
But uh, once I once I learned more about finance, I learned more about the stock market, about investment solutions that people use around the world, and especially in the states. I started to look, pay attention more to the cash value parts of life insurance, and that's what led me to the Bank on Yourself organization. And I actually found the Bank on Yourself organization. I was just doing some more research for a client. A client asked me to uh, look up uh, life insurance policies for him. Mm-hmm. I started doing research. And I went on Amazon and I just searched uh, books about life insurance. And then this book came up called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. And she's the author uh, and the founder of the concept, the Bank on Yourself concept. And that's how I pretty much really got involved into the uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. And you know, um, whole life insurance or term insurance, it, these are two are different. Uh, we're not going to go into very, very specific right now. but. I was just wondering, maybe you can give us a rundown of who it applies to. I mean, does it apply to a single person in their 20s to already have this whole life insurance? Or should you wait until you have a family? Does it depend on your income level? Maybe you can guide us through that? Yeah, definitely. So you can, I mean, in theory, it's more about what you want to accomplish. Look, for example, if you are wanting to uh, build a retirement plan at a young age or if you want to build your own pool of money that you can access to at any time, regardless of market conditions, I think this will be a, a really good fit for you. Uh, and, mo- and more specifically, it's about the control of your own money, right? Mm-hmm. The banks, they want us to store their money, store our money with them, right? They also want us to go to them when we need money. So we're using the banks to store our money and borrow money. But the problem with this is it's on their own terms. When we store our cash in the banks, in most situations, we're earning very little interest or almost no interest. If it's a standard checking account that you use for daily expenses, you're not going to earn any interest on that. Um, If it's a savings account uh, in today's interest world, it's going to be very, very low interest rates. And then also when we borrow, we're borrowing on their own terms. So the interest goes back to the bank Mm -hmm. and they get to control the terms and conditions of the loans. So we want to do something where we can kind of be in the middle of that, where we can store our money, earn interest on our earn compound interest on our money, regardless of market conditions, and be able to access our money to borrow from ourselves pretty much at any time, regardless of our financial situations. So in other words, there's no underwriting when it comes to the loans parts of the uh, whole life insurance. Now, to take it a step further, when you have a whole life policy and you have cash value in the policy, you're actually borrowing that money from the insurance company. And there's a specific reason for that. The bank on yourself concept is also known as the infinite banking concept uh, because it's exactly what it is. It becomes you create your own infinite banking system. So, for example, Jonathan, if I have a whole life insurance policy and I have $100,000 in cash value, let's say, for example, I have $100,000 in cash value in the policy. So so is that the, okay, it's the policy, it's the money I have saved up, or is it like my guaranteed amount, or how do I need to understand that? Yes, so this is is the amount of money you would have put into the policy, Mm -hmm. and that it would have been, it would have grown at a rate of about four or five percent compound interest every year so let's say um to get to that hundred thousand you may have spent um it's kind of hard to say because also age age matters and where you are it matters but let's say that hundred thousand dollars was accumulated over time mm-hmm. from money okay. you put in plus the interest you've earned from the insurance company a combination of both so let's say you're at a hundred thousand dollars right now in cash value 
and you want to use $50,000 for a business invest investment. So instead of going to your cash value and deducting $50,000 from there, you would borrow $50,000 from the insurance company, leveraging your $100,000 cash value. You would take $50,000 from the insurance company, use that for your investment purposes, and then you get to control the amount of time uh, when you pay it back, the, the time period of paying it back, you get to control that. So let's say you wait five years to pay that back, and after five years, you paid back the loan to the insurance company, the $50,000 loan, but also you paid some interest to the insurance company, a simple interest rate of 5%. Now you're probably gonna ask, why would you do that? Why would you borrow from the insurance company and then pay them interest on your own money? Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because on that cash value that you have, you've been earning interest and dividends from the insurance company for during those five years. During that time, you've been earning interest and dividends so now after five years, you might have spent like $52,000 to the insurance company, $50,000 for the principal, plus about $2,000 for the interest. And then you gained on your policy maybe $165,000. So now there's an arbitrage, a difference, a spread between what you earned and what you spent. That's why a lot of real estate investors use these policies to kind of recycle their money. So they fund the policies, build up the cash value, borrow from the policy, use for real estate investments or for other businesses and then pay it back. And then when you do pay, when you do it, that, that process, you're always earning interest and dividends and there's no interruption in the growth of your funds. Yeah, I see. So the hundred thousand, when you take out or you don't take out, when you borrow the 50,000, so your hundred thousand serves as a collateral or how do I need to see that? Exactly. It's collateral mm -hmm. and it continues to compound and grow without the interruption there's no interruption and it, it, it's as if you never touched 50,000 so then you borrow the 50,000 at a certain percentage four or five which is actually the same as the 100,000 but because of the difference in amount that's the arbitrage actually the the arbitrage comes in from so the insurance company is paying you compound interest on your money mm -hmm. but you're only paying simple interest on your money ah okay yeah that's where the arbitrage comes in mm -hmm. Okay, very good. And sorry, you were going to say something. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's also like if you have, for example, a, a house that you own that that has a market value of $500,000 and you, you don't have a mortgage, you own it free and clear, no mortgage, but you borrow $100,000 from a bank leveraging your property as collateral, your property is still worth $500,000, right? You just have an existing Correct. loan against mm -hmm. it. Same thing with the whole life policy. When you have a cash value of $100,000, for example, and you borrow against it, it doesn't deduct or subtract from the cash value. It just has an existing loan against it. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, it sounds good. It sounds nice. But then what are the risks linked to that process? Because, I mean, everybody could think, oh, yeah, great. I'm going to save money. Let's say that the 100000 like your example, it's very simple. And then I take out whatever money for, a, let's say, um, redoing my bathroom or my kitchen, and then, okay, my house will be worth more, et cetera. But what are the risks, especially now we're in the pandemic? I mean, people could lose their job and would be it would be difficult to pay back that loan. So how do you see that, uh, Sari? Yeah, you're right. Uh, so you, when you do borrow, you do have to pay it back. It's not free money, you know? <laughs> you have to pay it back yeah. to the uh, insurance company. But I guess the difference would be, or the, the risk would be not being able to pay it back. But the difference between this method and the traditional cash method or tr traditional financing is you get to control the terms. So 
if, for example, you put it in your mind, I'm going to pay back the loan in like a year, but you've lost your job because of the pandemic or something happened, mm -hmm. you can extend that now from one year to five years. You know, you can control the payback period. As long as you're paying it back, you can control the payback period. That's, I think, the advantage using this concept as opposed to other financial vehicles. But I do think that you do have to have the funding process. You have to have the process where you're funding the policy. If you're in a situation where you need to borrow right away and you don't have the funds for whatever you're trying to buy, I don't think this concept will really help you that much, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, would you say, for example, you took the example of the, of the property and then you borrow against it? Let's say you have the property and you, you borrow against it. Is that a better solution than using the life, the whole life uh, insurance uh, mechanism that you just explained, the bank on yourself? Oh, so if we have both, if yeah, we have if the whole have life both, policy. Yeah. yeah, I would, again, it, it comes down to the control of your money yeah. and mm -hmm. also um, the market conditions. Let's say, for example, you have the house, the $500,000 house, right? You mm -hmm. bought it free and clear, no mortgage. And then you also need some liquidity now. Now you need some cash. But let's say because of the pandemic, the value of the home went from 500,000 to 400,000. Now your ability to borrow against the home has been impacted by the markets. It's been impacted by external factors that you cannot control. That's one downside. Uh, the second downside is you have to borrow on the bank's terms and the banks can control the terms of the, of the loan agreement. And then their loan agreements can also be, be, be impacted by market conditions. Mm -hmm. So on the whole life policy, on the whole life side, those two things won't happen. One, your your mark the, the cash value of your policy will not be affected by market conditions. That's a huge reason why a lot of business owners and real estate investors use this concept is because it doesn't, it's not impacted by external factors like the markets or the stock market, real estate market. The cash value grows at a guaranteed uh, rate every year, a compound rate. Also, your ability to borrow always stays. Back to the example of the house. When you have a house um, free and clear, for example, and you want to borrow against it, in a lot of situations, a lot of states, you know, different states, different countries, they're still going to want to see like proof of income that, mm -hmm. to make sure that you can pay back the, the loan. Correct. Mm -hmm. So what if you don't have proof of income? You don't have the, the, the ability to show that, then you probably won't be able to qualify for the loan. But on the whole life insurance side, you can take out the loan regardless. They're, not, they're never going to ask you for proof of income or credit check or credit score to be able to determine if you're eligible for the loan. Okay, I see. So yeah, it can be helpful, but you need to, to really study your case and uh, know what you're doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think this is definitely a, a very uh, powerful risk mitigation tool. See, in 2008, a lot of real estate investors in the States, they would like buy properties and then borrow against the properties and then buy more properties and kind of just like recycle their money within the properties. So they would fund it and then borrow, fund, and then at very low interest rates. And it was very good for them because they were able to buy more properties, especially rental properties and have cash flow and pay little interest. But the problem is in 2008, when the markets crashed, especially the real estate market, a lot of banks said, you know what, uh, we're not able to give out loans anymore because the banks lost money. So they're not able to give out any loans. So they had to cut funding. So now a lot of real estate investors had a lot of cash tied up, you know, in the drywalls of homes, just cash sitting there. They weren't able to liquidate it and move with it. That and, the, and then also, if they were able to borrow, the market values dropped on the homes. So their ability to borrow, that amount also lowered because it's connected to the market values, right? 
mm-hmm. lower the home is worth, the lower the loan you could take. Yeah. And you know, Sari, this is a mechanism. Okay. I didn't hear uh, from it before. Uh, is that very widespread then in the US? Or may, I, I know it's possible here. I did some research uh, before the episode. I saw that in France, which is a country where people love to have their um, whole life insurance. I mean, it's one of their preferred ways to invest. It's possible as well to have this cash value part. So you can not withdraw, but you can uh, use the cash part to, for your own needs in case you, you want it. So it's possible. Now, my question is, yeah, is that used? Is that often used or uh, yeah, for personal needs or for uh, investment purposes? Yeah, it is often. Uh, the problem is, is that in the, in the U.S., a lot of um, like Wall Street and a lot of banks and, and large companies, especially mm-hmm. companies who um, like trade, uh, have mutual funds and, and stock options for, for consumers, they have written a lot of uh, like uh, blogs and have a lot of stuff on YouTube and Google, a lot of social media that kind of goes against whole life insurance. So even if you go to Google right now and you search like, is whole life insurance a good idea? You'll see a lot of articles pop up saying no whole life insurance is a bad idea. And they say like, it's too expensive. Uh, the cash grows very slowly, but those things are not true because they're talking about traditional whole life, old whole life insurance from over a hundred years ago mm-hmm. and the way, the way they were designed a long time ago. So I'll give you a further example. Imagine this, imagine you came to me and you told me, I want you to uh, build me a house that's uh, 4,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. I know you don't use feet, but... <laughs> I, I, I know the conversion. It's about 10, so it's about 400 square meters. Okay, 400 square meters. So it's quite, now, for our standards, it's quite large. Yeah. Okay, let's say I built you a 400 square meter home, mm-hmm. but it was entirely the basement. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't really help you, right? You would just have a huge like underground, underground house. Underground, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say... I took that 400 square meters and I divided it like by two. Mm-hmm. So now it's 200 in the in the foundation, mm-hmm. in the basement, and then 200 up top now. Now it's going to be more of a reasonable house, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's higher up now. Same thing with whole life insurance. If you put $1,000 a month into a policy and that $1,000 a month went directly into the base of the policy, it's, gonna, it's not going to grow very much. It's not going to be an appealing policy. It's not going to really help you attain your goals because the cash value part is going to be so small and almost not visible. Mm-hmm. But if we split it, if we did $500 towards the actual whole life part, and then $500 towards something called the paid up additions part, this is the, this is the cash value part, the component yeah. of the policy. Mm-hmm. If we split it, now we do half whole life and then half towards the cash value now you're going to have almost something that can compete with other investment vehicles. So in other words, it's not just about the amount of square meters or square feet. It's about how you leverage it. Same thing with whole life insurance. It's not just about, you know, is it whole life insurance versus the stock market versus the real estate? It's how you structure the whole life insurance that makes the biggest difference. And I think that a lot of people, especially in the States, they don't know the intricate parts of the whole life policy. So they'll go to Google, they'll search, is whole life insurance a good idea or bad idea? And they'll just say bad idea, no cash value, and they'll believe that. Mm-hmm. So I think you need to do your homework and you need to kind of look at more resources and more content and look at who's saying it. For example, if a mutual fund company is saying whole life insurance is a bad idea, they're saying that because they want you to invest more money in their mutual fund. Same thing with banks, same thing with large and large financial institutions have a very tight grip over the media and over social media because they have a lot of money to invest into those into those platforms. 
So again, you need to do research and figure out. Another thing, Jonathan, too, is if you really want to identify the truth, look at what large banks do. In the US and in Canada, 80% of a bank's tier one capital. So banks, when they register or become chartered financial institutions, they have to go through like a regulatory process, right? And I'm sure mm-hmm. the same, you have to go through a yep. process to prove your net worth, to prove where how much cash you have. 80% of that for banks is located in whole life insurance. And the reason why is, for example, if I'm a bank and I have a billion dollars that I'm ready to fund a bank, I'm going to put 80% of it, so $800 million in a whole life insurance policy. And then from the policy, I'm going to borrow from the insurance company and then lend that money out to credit cards, car no- car loans, home mortgages, business loans, and then earn interest in two places, earn interest from the insurance company and earn interest from the consumers and the borrowers at the same time. This is exactly what banks do. So we should mimic what banks are doing instead of just listening to them, right? Yeah, no, I, I totally uh, join your point here. The The thing is that, uh, yeah, every time I, I see an article, I'm always a bit looking at it with two perspectives. Uh, okay, why do they advise this product? Why does the banker say, hey, you should look at our mutual funds or whatever? Because then, okay, what do they have to gain from it? You know, I mean, because the bank employee, which is the concrete example for me, you go to the bank and you ask for advice, they will recommend a product, but they are working for the bank, not for you, even though it sounds like that. So it's always a bit, uh, I mean, there are honest bankers out there, but yeah, you always need to to make the balance for yourself. I totally join you there. The thing is with the whole life policy, and it's a bit tricky, I think, to to really look at the fine print, to, to really understand what it's all about, how you can leverage that uh, cash value part, which you explained. So, um, yeah, okay, of course, people can uh, look at you. Sorry, I will put your contact details in the show notes and everything. But where in general can people find information? For example, okay, people uh, here in Europe, they may say, look, uh, yeah, it sounds interesting. I listened to the episode. I'm willing to know a bit more about it and to make better use of my whole life insurance, uh, who should I ask, actually? Because then it's it's very difficult for them. Let's say a, a guy in France, a guy in Belgium or in Germany, he says, yeah, look, I'd like to talk to a local specialist. Yeah, definitely. We, I can definitely help. My colleagues and I can help people in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's ways to do it. There's ways. That it's not, it's not going to be guaranteed that we can get policies finished uh, for people in Europe, but there are ways to do it. And everything you know, could be done via Skype or Zoom. So the, the communication is no problem. Mm-hmm. As far as getting more information, um, you can you should look up Bank on Yourself concept, the infinite banking concept. Also, there's a, a lot of books. Just Google books or go to Amazon, search for books about the infinite banking concept by Nelson Nash. Also, the Bank on Yourself concept by Pamela Yellen. You'll find a lot of information that talks about uh, what banks do. Uh, so other names for our like family banking, circle of wealth. Uh, but pretty much, you got to remember uh, infinite banking and bank on yourself and look for resources that, like you said, don't have a bias, you know, agenda. Yeah. They're not mm-hmm. selling you, you know, um, like the bank telling you to invest with them because they're saying, you know, they they wrote the article or the banker saying that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed some uh, some of those in the articles, whatever the topic is, when it's written by a, a bank here with the, you know, they have their blogs. It's great, but sometimes it's like, what's behind it and uh, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah don't want to be a hater but yeah sometimes you just need to to look between the fine print and then i have a maybe one last question on the topic for you uh, sorry 
because yeah. I've read a few blogs myself a long time ago, and I read, of course, uh, blogs in Europe, blog in, blogs in the US. And, you know, when I saw the topic of whole life insurance, you know, they often compare it, I mean, bloggers or the reviewers, they compare it to, uh, yeah, whole life insurance and term insurance, um, term life insurance. So can you just maybe give a quick example uh, or quick explanation on uh, what the differences are? Because I've seen a lot of recommendation for term life insurance. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, the difference between term and whole life. Term insurance is like, imagine you rent a home, right? For 10 years, mm -hmm. you pay monthly rent. And then after 10 years are over, you walk away, you move out of that home now, right? Yeah. You don't have any equity. There's no ownership. There's no, you don't get any cash back, right? From the rent you've spent over those 10 years. Mm -hmm. Same thing with term insurance. Term insurance is like, you're just using the life insurance only, the death benefit only for a finite period of time without any cash value or equity built into the policy. So it's either 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years, and it's only the death benefit. So I'll get it for 10 years, pay monthly on it. And if nothing happens to me within those 10 years or within those 20 years, then I just walk away. The insurance company keeps the money and mm -hmm. nothing happens after that. Um, and a lot of people would say to go with term insurance over whole life because the I think the average difference is about 20% the cost. So in other words, whole life insurance is five times the cost of term insurance mm -hmm. because there's no cash value. There's no um, dividends involved. There's no interest, compound interest you receive from the insurance company. So it's just straight life insurance only yeah. with the death benefit. And a lot of people, a lot of banks, actually mutual fund companies will say to use term insurance and then invest the difference in um, the stock market. So for example, let's say that you put in your mind, I have $1,000 a month to use. Um, the mutual fund companies and the banks would say, put $200 a month towards term and life insurance, or maybe even less, maybe $100 a month towards term life insurance, and then put $900 a month in the stock market or in a mutual fund, because you would get a much higher return on your investment doing it that way. And the insurance would cost you much less than putting in whole life insurance. But of course, um, I have objections to that. I don't agree with that method. Mm -hmm. Number one, because of market risk and volatility. If I put in $800 a month towards a mutual fund, yeah, there's gonna, there might be returns, but also there might be losses. The banker or the advisor can't guarantee my growth on my money. The, the banker or the mutual fund advisor can't say in 20 years, you will have X amount, of X amount of dollars. It's actually illegal for them to do that. They can't guarantee in 20 years you'll have X amount of money because they have no idea what will happen in the, in the markets. Correct. So that's one huge, huge downside. Mm -hmm. Also, the term life policy, I know for a lot of people, the, the life insurance part is not appealing. It's, you know, we're more, we're more concerned about the cash value, but eventually you will have to acknowledge the death benefit part, especially when you grow older, when you're in your sixties and seventies and you have children or grandchildren, you have businesses, you need a vehicle, a financial vehicle that will take what you've built and pass it on to the next generation. And a lot of situations tax-free in the U S and Canada, the life insurance proceeds are tax-free. So a lot of wealthy people, of course, who have been building up their empires, want to pass off their empire, their what they built to their families tax free. So if you did the term term insurance, let's say you are uh, 40 years old and you did a 20 year term policy and it ends when you're 60. Now to renew it, you have to go through underwrite medical underwriting again. 
the problem with this is what if your condition changes in 20 years? And it does for a lot of people between mm-hmm. the ages of 40 and 60. You know, a lot of people go through different conditions. Now you might get denied the insurance. It, it, I'm not saying you will, but it could happen. You can get denied insurance now. Now you can't, or it might be super expensive, maybe 10 or 20 times what it cost you 20 years ago. It, it would jump, the price would jump that dramatic. So those two issues, though, number one, the market volatility, number two, being unsure of your health in the future, those two things are the downsides to using that term and invest the difference. Yeah. Okay, very clear. I mean, it's uh, still, I think it's a lot of information. And even for me, you know, I'm a, I, I have no, I will tell you, I have no whole life insurance on myself, but I have no kids. So I'm mostly invested in the, in the stock markets and uh, real estate. So this is what I'm doing now. But of course, I think uh, if kids come and stuff like this, okay, I will start to, uh, to look at um, more seriously at uh, all this uh, term, um, term insurance and whole life policies, of course. And uh, Sari, look, uh, I think we've come at the end of the show. And I really want to thank you because it's not an easy topic. I think it's, uh, it's very difficult. And um, I mean, it's not very difficult. It's, um, I think it's a bit tricky for people to get it. It's not that complicated, but it scares off people. You know, you say whole life insurance and everybody's gone, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so, yeah. So I wanted to thank you for uh, yeah trying to make it uh, as clear as possible. And, and you did a very good job. So thank you so much. I think it's, it brings a lot of value. And uh, what I wanted to say as well, just now I remember, is that this tax advantage that you mentioned, it all, it's also valid in France. I mean, I don't know if it's totally tax-free. I will not, um, do not quote me on that, but I know there's a lot of tax benefits when using, um, when using the whole life policies for succession. Mm-hmm. So, so it's important to say. And uh, Sari, as you know, uh, yeah, we, we come at the end of the show. We always have our uh, three quick fire questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. You're ready. Good. So my number one question is what has been your best investment so far? Uh, so far, my best investment was, uh, going to graduate school to get my master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you need a master's degree at all to be successful in business. So I don't believe that. But I think just the process of doing it um, has really helped me a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like uh, education and it's you, you don't only learn what's in the books, you learn how to study, you learn. It's a way of thinking. Huh? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So it's I mean, for me, I studied business as well. What I get the most is I got a toolbox, which helps me further. And I will never say, oh, college is stupid or anything. So in, the, in my case, I'm very happy with my education. So uh, kudos to you. Excellent investment, uh, Sari. And then number two, you already recommended a few books, but I want to ask you anyway, what is one book you can recommend to anyone? And it does not need to be a financial book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Okay. It has nothing to do with finance, but I think it's really good, especially if you are becoming an entrepreneur or you're already an entrepreneur. Um, the book pretty much just talks about differentiating between having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Really good. Okay, very good. I'll, uh, I'll link it all up in the show notes anyway, so people can, uh, you can all uh, look at it and uh, see if it's for you. But uh, yeah, if it's promoting the fixed and the growth mindset, I mean... Going from a fix to a growth mindset, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And then the last question, uh, Sari, what is the best purchase you've made for under $100? Uh, the best purchase recently I've made on under 100 is uh, hiring uh, an offshore virtual assistant 
Mm-hmm. Um, she has helped me a lot, and uh, yeah, pretty much that's the best investment I've made so far. Yeah, under so it uh, saves you a lot of time and hassle and things. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, yeah. Well, sorry. If people want to know more about you, or if they have questions on the whole life insurance in you in the U.S. and in and abroad, uh, how can they contact you or find you? Yeah, you can go to finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N assetprotection.com. Okay, excellent. So everything is there. So I'll link it all up in the show notes. And then, uh, yeah, sorry, I want to thank you again uh, for coming on the show today. It was great. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new today. I certainly did. I was really not aware about all this cash value and banking on yourself concept. At least it gave me a, a little introduction to it. And of course, this may or may not be for you, but still, I think it's important to bring different perspective here on the podcast, and then it's up to you to, to decide if it's for you or not. So of course, as usual, always do your own research and consult with a professional to see if it's the right thing for you. Anyway, before we head off, here are the key takeaways for today. Number one, whole life insurance has two main functions, death benefit part, which we all know about, and the cash value part, which was the main topic of today. Number two. For whom is this whole life insurance? Well, this can work for people who want to start planning their retirement at a young age or for others who want to build their own pool of money, which they can control regardless of the market conditions and in general for people who earn a stable income. Yeah, because if they're going to take a loan on themselves, well, they need to be able to pay it back regardless of the benefits presented in this podcast. Number three, about the risks. Well, I asked Sari, what about the risks? And then he told us, well, in whole life insurance, if you take out a loan from your uh, cash value part, well, you can control the terms of the loan. Meaning that if you cannot pay back within a year, for example, you can extend the payback period, which is one of the advantages compared to a bank because they control the terms, for example. But of course, this mechanism only works for people who have been able to fund their account. So if there's nothing in the fund, well, you can borrow against it. And last but not least, If you feel whole life insurance is something for you, well, do your homework, do some research. I've also linked a few articles in the show notes to help you and eventually consult with a professional. And don't forget, everyone has a bias. Be discerning. And as we discussed during the episode, uh, and personally for me, I'm not convinced uh, this is something for me with regards to investing and growing my money. I prefer the volatility of the stock markets for now uh, because I'm in it for the long term. So this is my choice but you need to figure out what's best for you according to your risk tolerance and your time horizon. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions or feedback. Send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.